What are your most important needs in life? Take a moment to consider. Don't think about hopes, dreams, or goals, but rather needs, things you cannot do without. Welcome back to Savvy Psychologist. I'm your host, Dr. Jade Wu, and every week I'll help you meet life's challenges with evidence-based research, a sympathetic ear, and zero judgment. Today, we talk about the classic Maslow's hierarchy of needs, what this theory is all about, and how it can help you figure out what you're missing in life. Has there ever been a time in your life when all of your needs were met and you wanted for nothing? Probably not. It's more likely that you've always felt the need for something beyond what you already have. Better health, more job security, more time with friends and family, more time for hobbies, or just a greater sense of fulfillment in life, whatever that means. When you've come to that conclusion that something's missing in your life, how do you name what that thing is? And what needs do you focus on first? And how do you figure out that priority? Dr. Abraham Maslow wondered about this almost 80 years ago and came up with a framework called Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs. It's an oldie, but a goodie. In this theory, Maslow proposed that we have five categories of needs. And these categories are arranged in a hierarchy, meaning you can visualize the different categories stacked on top of each other like in a pyramid, with the lower levels as prerequisites for the higher levels. He believed that we progress through this hierarchy from bottom to top. Once one level is adequately satisfied, the next level comes into focus and becomes possible. So what are the five different categories? Let's look briefly at each. And as we go along, consider whether you feel fulfilled in each of them. First up on the bottom of the pyramid is physiological needs, or also known as basic needs. These are basic survival needs, like water, food, sleep, and the ambient temperature so that we're not too cold or too hot. Notice that these are very biologically driven needs. If something's amiss, you'll definitely know it. Like if you don't have enough food or water in you, your body will tell you. And if you're chronically short on these essentials, your mental health will actually suffer too. Research has demonstrated that food insecurity, which is not having enough access to nutritious food on a regular basis, is associated with psychological stress and psychiatric problems. And because these needs are so fundamental to survival, Maslow considered them to be at the bottom of the hierarchy. Even though you may have other needs, these needs need to come first. For example, have you ever tried to do complex work or be creative or even enjoy a social event while you were ravenously hungry? Were you able to perform at 100% or did your belly remind you constantly that something more urgent needed your attention? I mean, I've certainly had the experience of being hangry. Maybe you have too. Well, once your belly is full, achieving safety is next. We feel this need on a pretty automatic level, too. Fear is one of our most basic hardwired emotions. That's why babies shrink from unfamiliar people and situations, perhaps even without knowing why. And even when we grow up, our brains continue to monitor the environment, putting us on physical and mental high alert when there are threats to our safety. 
when we feel chronically unsafe, our physical and mental health reflects this lack of basic need. Many studies show, for example, that living in an unsafe neighborhood is detrimental to our health. According to Maslow, we next move on to our need for love and belonging. This includes having relationships with family, friends, partners, colleagues, and just generally feeling like you belong in a community. This need for belonging isn't just about being loved in the way that, say, celebrities are loved, receiving admiration and praise and attention. It's also about loving and giving to others. And what's really interesting about this need is that fulfilling it is not only important for our psychological well-being, but for literal life or death. A study that pulled data from over 300 people showed that regardless of participants' age, sex, or health status at the beginning of the study, having stronger social relationships predicted a much higher likelihood of still being alive years or decades later when the researchers followed up. Now, as we go up the pyramid, we get to less and less tangible types of needs. Our need for esteem is our need to feel good about ourselves and to have a sense that we're valued by others. This might show up in the form of doing charitable work, pursuing higher education, being in a helping profession, being an expert on something, being famous, or even being infamous. Notice that these different ways of chasing esteem don't necessarily end up with the same flavor of feeling valued or confident. Some involve service to others, some involve mastery, some involve virtue, some involve simply being the center of attention. Figuring out which elements or combination of elements fulfills your esteem needs requires some honest self-reflection and maybe even some trial and error. And that's okay to have some trial and error in pursuing your esteem needs. All right, now we have come to the last category of needs. We are here at the top of Maslow's hierarchy. Self-actualization is the ultimate achievement of your potential. You feel like you're fulfilling your life's purpose, answering your life's calling. Maslow believed that Often, self-actualization takes on the form of extraordinary creativity or achievement. So think of, like, Lin-Manuel Miranda writing the Broadway smash hit Hamilton, or Christina Koch serving as the flight engineer on the International Space Station, or Barack Obama becoming the first Black president of the United States. But it might also be something more ordinary, but still tremendously meaningful. If you believe you were born to be a parent, for example, then you'll feel the most alive and fulfilled when you nurture a child. Maslow believed that for us to achieve self-actualization, the other levels of needs need to be satisfied first. For example, you can't write the next great American novel if you don't feel safe in your living environment. And you can't become a revolutionary political leader if you don't have solid relationships. But as we'll see, this may actually not always be true. So let's talk real quick about whether Maslow was actually right about the order of the hierarchy of needs. Ever since Maslow captured the academic and popular imagination with his hierarchy in 1943, there's been much discussion of whether this really reflects how human motivation works. 
Studies have shown that, yes, we value more basic needs above others, like the ones higher up on the hierarchy. When researchers presented a pair of needs, each from a different category on Maslow's hierarchy, for example, people tended to choose the one at the base of the pyramid, the one that was lower. In other words, if forced to choose whether to give up having enough to eat versus getting a 4.0 GPA, people would rather give up the perfect GPA. Countries seem to follow a similar pattern in the course of history, too. Developing nations tend to improve their food security before they increase in the percentage of citizens finishing secondary education. But there have been some skeptics, too. Some studies have found the needs levels to be out of order when they paired items from each and asked people to rate the relative importance of each in the pair. And some have pointed out that any particular order may not always be true. Lower order needs aren't necessarily prerequisites for higher ones. For example, those in poverty who are struggling with basic and safety needs can still feel love and belonging. Another thing to consider is that much of the early research on Maslow's hierarchy was done on white American college students. So any conclusions may not apply to everybody else. More recent international research has found that the basic needs seem to be pretty universally regarded as important, but not that the different types of needs must go in the same proposed order. In fact, Maslow himself clarified in his famous paper that progressing through the levels is not nearly as rigid as we have implied. For example, he noted that some highly creative people might be making their magnum opus even as they're deprived of basic needs, that psychopaths may never feel the need for love, and some of us may take lower-level needs for granted because we've never wanted for them. But regardless of whether Maslow's hierarchy perfectly describes the human condition, I think it can be a helpful framework for everyday thinking. That is, we can use it as a rough guide to help pinpoint what we might be missing in a few scenarios. For example, one scenario might be that you're feeling miserable right now at this moment. Well, the easiest place to look is to do a quick rundown of the bottom level of Maslow's hierarchy to see if it's something that's straightforward to identify. Are you hydrated? Hangry? Have you been getting good quality sleep? If you're missing those, try to get those needs fixed as soon as possible, because these basic needs are, not surprisingly, the factors most consistently related to well-being. Or how about this scenario? You're generally tense, worried, irritated, depressed, tired. If your basic needs are fulfilled, but you still feel this way chronically, ask yourself if you generally feel safe. This not only includes safety from physical harm, but also safety from emotional abuse or violations of your basic dignity and privacy and the ability to exist without harassment. Feeling safe is actually a tall order for many members of our society. True safety, even basic protection from violence, may be more of a privilege than Maslow had originally envisioned. It's something not easily checked off on many people's paths to self-actualization. If you feel unsafe, try your best to connect with others. Try to find safety through your community, friendship, mentorship, 
and people with whom you can have mutual respect and trust. Recognize that it's a chronic lack of safety that has your neck muscles always in knots and your temper on a short fuse. Cut yourself some slack and show yourself and others some compassion. Another possible scenario is that on paper, your life is all in order, but you just don't feel a lot of positive emotions. This is generally a red flag for running low on love and belonging because this category of needs is the most associated with positive emotions. The good news is that love is free. The hard news is that this doesn't mean it's easy. Close friendships are difficult to maintain long-term. Families frequently cut ties, and romantic relationships do end. I have noticed that we tend to take the people closest to us for granted because we feel secure that they'll always be around. Ironically, though, this approach means we offer the least amount of attention and nurturing to the relationships that bring the most meaning to our lives. So, for a positive emotion boost, get in touch with a friend you haven't talked to for a while, or send a family member a card or gift. And the last scenario we'll talk about today, the checklist is all checked off, including love. And what now? There are no threats to your safety or basic needs, and you have lots of good relationships. Or maybe you don't have those secure foundations, but you can't do anything to change your circumstances right now. In any case, you might feel something tugging at you, like curiosity or pride or the drive to achieve. This is where esteem needs or self-actualization comes into view. To pursue this set of needs, I recommend thinking in terms of values, which are less like a checklist and more aspirational. They point you toward the grander, more abstract things that generate purpose and meaning for you. Things like mastery, service, creativity, beauty, spirituality. If you were 90 years old and sat down to write your autobiography, your values would form your key themes. Once you've formed ideas about what your values are, start setting bite-sized goals in pursuit of them. Keep an open mind along the way and refine what your values mean to you. They're not set in stone. Your values can change as you grow and learn through your experiences. And my last tip is, while you're going through life trying to understand and fulfill your needs, don't get hung up on going through Maslow's hierarchy in the correct order. Sometimes we don't have control over meeting even the most basic needs. As much as possible, we should still allow ourselves to be fulfilled in other ways. Having financial challenges, for example, doesn't mean you can't enjoy love from a family member or kinship from your community groups. But also, don't take the fulfillment of your physiological safety and love needs for granted. They actually may form the very foundation that allows you to answer your life's calling. And even if they don't lead you to momentous accomplishments, having a hot meal under a safe roof with a good friend, can still be one of life's greatest pleasures. Thank you so much for listening. I wish that the universe fulfills all of your needs in the upcoming week. You can find me on Facebook and Twitter. I'm at QDT Savvy Psych and also at Jade Wu PhD. If you'd like psychology tips delivered straight to your inbox, 
subscribe to the Savvy Psychologist newsletter. You can also subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen. Savvy Psychologist is audio engineered by Steve Rickyberg and edited by Karen Hertzberg. As always, Savvy Psychologist is strictly for informational purposes and does not substitute for mental health care from a licensed professional. Thanks again for joining me, and I'll see you next week for a happier, healthier mind. Are you tired of the constant battle with anxiety and panic? I've got a podcast that I think you'll love. It's called The Anxiety Coaches Podcast, where the host, Gina, gives you your weekly dose of tranquility and inspiration. Two new episodes drop weekly packed with practical tips and lifestyle changes to help you calm that racing heart and bring peace back into your life. So if you're ready to bid farewell to sleepless nights and constant worry, tune into the Anxiety Coaches podcast and embark on a journey towards lasting calmness and a life free from anxiety's grip. Remember, it's not just a podcast, it's a lifeline. Join Gina on the Anxiety Coaches podcast and let her soothing words be the balm your nervous system needs. Listen in and start your path to healing today. The Anxiety Coaches Podcast.com because healing begins the first time you listen.